Welcome to the Coop Tank. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, coming to you from Sweet Recording in beautiful Mount Laurel, New Jersey. You know, people, if you have a video cast, a podcast, an audio book, hell, even if you need a studio built, Sweet Recording is a place for you. Joe Ganjemi, not only is he a great guy, but he knows his stuff, he's honest, and he's easy to work with. So reach out to them. Go to their website, Sweet Recording, S U I T E, recording.com, or email them at hello at sweetrecording.com. Anyway, we have another great show this week. I always put my, I am always flattered that these people come on my show because they're always, it's always, I always get these shakers and movers in the business world and they reach out to them. And they go, yeah, we'll do your show. And today's no different. We have people I've met from all different places. Uh, our first guest, I met her at Jer a Jersey Man event and it's from Alloy Silverstein. It's Angela Venti. How you doing, Angela? Doing great. Thanks for having me. And next, the guy who uh, actually had a beer with last night. He was at uh, Cocktails with Cooper. He's from Modern Classical Chefs. We have Dan Ninerol. How you doing, Dan? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Steve. And finally, a guy I graduated Cherry Hill East with in 1982, baby. Fellow Cougars. Yes, we're getting old. Uh, from On the Mark Advisors, it's Mark Style. How you doing, Mark? Great. Honored to be here, Steve. Thanks. All right. So I'm going to ask you to tell us what you do, a uh, little about yourself, and we'll start with you, Angela. Tell us about what you do at Alloy Silverstein and about the company. Uh, so it's an amazing company. I started it five years ago, uh, just after tax season. I always tell people, because um, they say, will you be doing my taxes? And I'm like, you definitely don't want that. Um, I'm like Julie on the love boat. I onboard everybody, introduce them to the captain, show them around and make the experience a very positive one. And very much like you, Steve, uh, as long as I've known you connecting people, I try to take care of all those uh, extra things that people might need. They need some banking connections. They need insurance connections. So I kind of coordinate. Uh, the experience for clients. And so it's, it's a great role to have. Okay. And Dan, tell us about your chefhood. Yeah. Um, my company is Modern Classical Chefs. And my, my tagline is we bring amazing restaurant experiences to your home. So, you know, everything over time, you know, especially since COVID, everything just, just sped up with, with, you know, engagement and bringing things into the home, you know, Amazon comes to your home, Grubhub, I mean, everything delivers. Why not bring the restaurant experience to your home? So during COVID, I was doing the corporate thing. And, you know, when am I going to retire? 65, 67? Oh, gee, I don't know. I don't want to do that. And that's when I said, you know what, um, I'm forming a company, I, I want to follow my passion. I love to cook and I formed my company and, uh, you know, it's, it's starting to take off and it's been a wonderful experience. How about you, Mark? Well, uh, I'm a business therapist. I help us uh, entrepreneurs and small business owners get unstuck and bridge the gap between what they're envisioning their business to be versus the reality on the ground today. I do that through a series of, uh, uh, strategic advising, business coaching, and stress management, all integrated holistically into the practice that I've named business therapy. The result usually being that uh, the clients achieve sustainable breakthrough performance in their business. Okay, now I'm going to start off this question because, Dan, you touched on it a little bit, but 
we've all been in the business world for a while. And like Angela, you said you came to your business five years ago. I know Mark, you, we, we've all, everyone's always reinventing themselves. It's something that we do. I think it's just, we all grew up, a lot of us with parents who probably worked their whole life at a job. And we went, wow, you know, what do you get at the end? Like my mom took early retirement from Campbell's Soup. And it's like, what did you get a watch? You know, you didn't, you didn't get an experience. How did you end up at your position you are at now? And we're gonna start with you, Angela, because you said it was five years. What was your path to Alloy Silverstein? Because, you know, you're very successful, but I wanna know how you got to there. So uh, Ren Sickley's the managing partner had uh, reached out to me. I was in banking um, and did business development for banking. Uh, so he had an idea of what if we brought in uh, somebody to sell do business development for accounting. And I thought, I don't know how you do that. How do you sell? Everybody's got a guy, right? So how do you, how do you become that person? So he said, let's try it. And, and it was, I really took it thinking, well, it's going to go one way or the other. And I'm happy to report five years later, it, it was a good fit. It was a good match. Uh, the confidentiality and the stresses of um, banking and accounting, they're, they're kind of connected. So it's relationship selling, like everyone on this panel, I would say probably would feel the same way. The relationships you make um, then grow from there. And that's how you are able to help people. But it's hard for people to have those discussions. I'm sure Mark would say the same. You know, people will share a lot of other things besides how much they owe and, you know, things that keep them up at night. It's not always easy to get those things. So Ren had the idea and he sat on it for a little while, but um, we tried it. And here we are five years later. And I think we would both say that it was a great ad for me. Um, I, longevity was something I did want. I didn't want to keep moving around. So I found that in the right. I found a home. So it worked out. It was a uh, a two-win situation for sure. How about you, Mark? I know you've you've had a quite a path. Yeah, so uh, I uh, was fortunate. I I was thirty years in the corporate and startup worlds, uh, slaying dragons uh, in various leadership positions in various industries, and also in a, a multitude of different functional areas. So I I got I was able to speak the language of all the different departments and functions, uh, anywhere from sales, marketing, finance, uh, legal uh, operations, you know, you name it. And uh, I, after 30 years there, um, had had done what I needed to do was, you know, uh, made the money, managed the people, had the power. I said, you know, is there more to it in life than this? And I had the opportunity to exit out of that world, hang up my own shingle, um, and uh, have not looked back since. That was about close to five years ago. And uh, so now I've been able to harness all of that knowledge, wisdom, perspective that I had in that world of the corporate world and startup world. And by the way, two startups I helped take to market leading positions. So I had the creds to do this on my own and help the small business owner see the forest through the trees, understand what their strategy is and 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 how to how to have their business play to their own strengths, which surprisingly, maybe you might not realize many business owners don't play to their own strengths. And that causes stress that causes not uh, unproductivity and uh, and and less profits. So uh, I get them aligned. Sometimes people call me the business chiropractor because I'm sometimes have to realign the business to match the uh, owner's uh, strengths. 
and uh, and then you know get them to where they're trying to to, to go, um, serving as a strategic advisor, business coach, sometimes managing their stress because, as we might all know, the the uh, solopreneurs and the, you know the, the the small business owners, the the personal comes into the business, everything's intersecting all the time. You got to be able to compartmentalize that out. And um, and being able to get them to achieve their goals, whatever their goals might be, could be profits, could be wealth, could be other things, legacy, uh, giving back, balance, um, a lot of different things. So everybody's different, and I have a uh, I customize my approach to each uh, individual business owner. I know that was a lot to swallow. So. Oh, no, it's good. I always, I always love when someone from Cherry Hill says cred, like we got street cred. We're from Cherry Hill. Like, yeah, we put we put dimes in our loafers, not pennies, because we got street cred, you know. But uh, Dan, now you, I know we've talked about this. You're tracked to the chefhood because you, you're you're going completely like Mark stayed in the business. Angela had known banking and had contacts. You've gone from, I mean, completely different. That's like becoming like going from an accountant to being a juggler there's nothing what is uh tell us about your route to being a chef you said two things that resonated with me in the beginning you were talking about our parents right like what our parents did and then you talked about reinventing yourself and that kind of ties right in with your question so you know my parents you know working class we came from the ohio valley dad moved the family over from west virginia to willingboro new jersey where i grew up he was a vice principal at maple shade high school until he retired and um you know he retired with the full thing you know the benefits all this you know the whole thing and i said dad it's not that way anymore i said i feel like a free agent athlete you know where i'm going from contract to contract and Hopefully at the end of this, I'll cobble something together, you know, for retirement. And uh, I just never liked that, you know. So um, <clears throat> COVID came, like I said in my intro, and, you know, I'm sitting there. We were working at home for like two and a half years, right? I already started my business. And, you know, I'm thinking, how am I going to do this business while I'm working full time? And I have a strong business background. I, I've been in logistics and supply chain before people knew what that was. I started out 18 years old, you know, loading and unloading trucks on the docks in South Philadelphia. And just 10 years in, okay, I guess this is my career. And uh, it just wasn't fulfilling. So, you know, again, going back to the COVID thing, I'm sitting there and I, I, I've been cooking for like 30 years. I do all the cooking in my home. I do all the cooking for the events and something I loved. I watch all the shows. I study all the techniques. So, you know, I found a great business coach that helped turn, you know, home cooks and disgruntled kitchen cooks into business owners, you know, running a personal chef business. And I'm telling you, it was the greatest thing I did. So I totally reinvented myself. And now I'm on this path and this journey. I'm meeting like amazing people, creating amazing experiences, making people happy. And I, I love it. Now it's like, how long can I work till, you know? Like before I was saying, am I going to retire 65, 67? Hey, 80, 85, I want to keep active, you know, and keep going. So that's been my journey and uh it's been a it's been a really great one i'm so happy that's good yeah, you know, now, i'd love to connect with you because uh I, I might need your services that sounds awesome all right reach out after the show 
I, I get 10%. Um, anyway, I got a question for you, all of you, because we all go through this. I'm, I stress a lot. And I actually found out not to stress as much. I take these gummies, not marijuana gummies, but it's called ashwagandha. And it's brought my stress level down. But what do you struggle with in your daily or weekly business life? Like, you know, what's something that drives you, you worry? Like some people worry about customers. Some people worry about, are they going to make their customers happy? What do you struggle with? There's got to be, everyone struggles with something. You know, what's the one thing where you may wake up in the middle of the night and be like, holy crap, I didn't do this. Mark, we'll start with you. Cause you, you, you know, you've been on your own and I want to know what's, what do you go, what's some struggles you deal with? <clears throat> well, can I pass? No, I'm just kidding. Um, so uh, <laughs> I think the struggle it's hard to think about that because I feel like I've got everything in place the way it should be, right? So for the most part, you know, there's really not a struggle. I, I guess if I had to pick something, it might be the prioritization of my time because no matter how well you prioritize your time and organize it, there's always the thing in the back of your head going, well, maybe I should have done that instead of that. You know, maybe it would have worked out better if I did this. I spent all this time with you know, doing this one thing, it didn't work out. Had I done this, you know, so it's a little bit of second guessing, but in the overall scheme of things, you know, first world problems, it's not a, not a huge deal um, for me. Um, now, had you asked me that 10 years ago or 20 years ago when I was in the corporate and startup worlds, I, I would give you a slew of stuff that I worry about, right? And that's part of what uh, I'm able, that this is why I'm doing what I'm doing because the stress level has gone way down. There were so many things to worry about, so many other people I had to serve. Um, and now I'm serving my clients, myself, my family, my close friends. And uh, so, I, you know, I, it, it's the stress level has gone way down. The worry has gone down. Okay. How about you, Angela? So interesting. I, I My answer would be a sign of the times. I don't have stresses in, and again, I, don't speak for business owners because I know before I even show up for work, my boss has already had 18 different problems to deal with. And I'm just walking in like, hey, good morning. Um, so I would say that for my clients, I feel uh, the last few years um, with things that you couldn't control, that's what I fear more than anything. What will be the next thing uh, that we're doing PPP emergency loans for and working 12 hours a day to try to keep businesses alive? So not knowing what's next is probably what I worry about the most because we saw clients who didn't make it, who were reaching out from all over the country because uh, they didn't know how they were going to keep the lights on one more day. And being a lot of people owning their own business, some of the programs they didn't qualify for because, you, you know, Oh, it's how many employees you had. So many people are actually working in their business and on their business that all of a sudden, how do you do business when you can't see anyone unless you're Peloton or some of these people who had these huge influxes uh, of business because that's what took off the regular guy uh, and woman that the the stresses were a lot different. So I, I guess I worry about what's next and I'm always trying to see what's coming down the pike. So if there was anything we could tell a business owner to prepare for or what emergency funds look like nowadays and cash flow, what it looks like nowadays is different than if you asked me that in 20, early 2020 or 2019, we're having different answers today than we did back then. Um, having people be on the cloud, all the things that came out of what we just went through and hopefully survived. I guess that's what I worry about next is what's that thing? 
Okay. How, how about you, Dan? What are you, what are you worrying about? Cause you, you're new into this business and we talk and it's, it's, it's scary. You know, you, you're on your own. Yeah. We could do a whole podcast on that topic alone on that question, but uh, you know, I'm a solopreneur that wants to scale to CEO. Okay. So the things that worry me much to, to Mark's uh, comment was that, you know, the time management, because I have so many things going on and I feel often that, you know, I'm doing so many tasks, but I'm not doing them well enough because I'm just spread so thin. So that's why like the number one thing on my brain is like my stated goal is I don't want to cook in three years. I want to run a company and send out my teams to, you know, to do all the uh, the wonderful events that uh, we have on the books. And then that way, when I can step back and run a company, I can be more focused and be more effective. So between doing everything, you know, myself, you know, trying to be the face of the company, and now to Angela's point, you know, the cash flow, right? Because when you start out, your income is like this. So, you know, I got many little side side channels of uh, income. Like I just started teaching at Camden County College. I, I teach the culinary arts there and, you know, things like that, you know, which is, you know, which is a great little gig. But, uh, you know, those are the things that keep me up, you know, like keeping this afloat, you know, that that's why I'm out there. I'm out there. I work seven days a week. You know, I network two to three times a week. I'm out there meeting people. I feel I have to keep the ball rolling. You know, I, I got back from two and a half weeks vacation in Europe, you know, last week. And I feel like I'm behind the eight ball. Now I got to work even harder. So those are the kind of things that, that keep me up at night and, uh, you know, make me uh, think about things. Plus, everybody wants to sell you something, you know, when you're a business owner. So you have X amount of resources who do I go to is the best one to put this? Cause you have 25 people trying to sell you something. So, yeah. All right. This is going to be a two part question. I'm going to start with the first part and then I'll get the second part. <clears throat> you answer the first part in your position you're in now, you know, Angela, five years, Mark, five years, Dan, you're new. What is something that you have learned that has been really valuable? Something you learned in your new position what is something that you sat there and said, I learned this and I'm and and this really makes me a better person or better worker? We'll start with you, Angela. Mine's accounting related. Uh so when I came in, I thought, well, everybody was telling me, you know, I have a guy um and I've been with him forever and he knows where all the bodies are buried. So I make the Italian joke, I've got a shovel in my trunk. I can learn where the bodies are too. So, but what I really learned was the number was as good as the guy putting it in the box. And I didn't know that. Um, so I always thought it's math, it's it's a rule and everybody's doing the same rules. And I found out very, very early, we had a client come in and um, we looked over a few returns and my boss instantly found that there was a huge credit that was missed that that instantly would have been a huge influx of cash. Usually when I go see someone, I show up with food. I just took the returns and I ran back and I'm like, there's all this money in your returns that you can get back. And your accountant just didn't know. And they're like, well, we find that hard to believe. So they, they, I said, let's call him. Let's call him while I'm here. So they did call him and it turns out he didn't know about our, you know, what these credits were. 
Long story short, they got $186,000 back for the three years. But the problem was that credit came out in 2005 and that was 10 years. So we did some quick math. They lost a million dollars just because the guy didn't know. And they, that couldn't be regrouped unless they, they were to sue. So, so I found out on that day, literally in a live scenario, they just because you have a guy doesn't mean, and I would imagine everyone here would say the same thing. There's a difference in the guy. So that was literally the day I found out. And after that became super excited because just because you have a guy doesn't mean it's it's what you think it is. So let me take a look. What have you got to lose? Like zero, right? You got zero to lose by having someone else put a fresh set of eyes on something and who knows what could come of it. So um, biggest lesson I learned in it was super early and I get super excited about it because um, when people think that they're safe and they think they know, it's always worth a second look. How about you, Dan? What's something you've learned in this new position? Wow. That I always, I always figured like when I was younger, man, if I have a business, you know, I'm going to be the best. I'm never going to say no, this, that, and the other. Sometimes you have to say no. You know, like if you get a client that that you have to look at the numbers, is this going to be a profitable, you know, experience to do? I mean, we're in business to make a profit, let's face it, but we're also in business to serve our customers. So I've learned how to, I mean, I'm, I'm very good at talking to people. So I might say no, but I'll say it in a very, you know, very professionally worded way. Like we can't do that, but I'll tell you what, we can do this. And then you, you know, you try to improve your relationship off of that and, you know, make a win-win and it's worked for me so far. So, so yeah, not, you know, it's okay to say no, but give your, give your customers a, uh, an alternative that works. It's create that win-win. How about, how about you, Mark? What's something that you've learned in this, since you've been on your own? Um, I, I'd say like there are three things. One, first is network. I was always a decent networker. I think I'm now a very good networker. Um, learn the, the networking and and your effective networking, understanding you know cut when to cut losses, when to pursue further, and ensuring you know good follow up. That that's always been a, a both a, a strength and a pet peeve of mine when people aren't following up the right way. But um, so I'd say networking is the first one. The other one is uh, second one is playing to my strengths, playing to my own strengths when someone. I learned this quickly when someone's, you know, I had a, a prospect that said, you know, I, I need help with pricing. That's one of my strengths. That's my area of expertise. But when I talked to them, I realized they don't need pricing. They need digital marketing. They need social media presence. That's not my strength. So I referred them out and I realized that is what I should be doing because I, because I thought I made a mistake, but you know, if I'm not going to provide the, the value that they need for what they need, the best thing I can do is refer them to the person who can do that if I can't, right? So that's the other thing, making sure that I'm playing to my strengths, that I'm serving my clients in the best way possible with, you know, with, with what I'm good at. And the last thing is just listening, you know, the listening skills and understanding that sometimes someone just needs to vent and, and you just listen and, you know, there's no arguing, there's no anything, but um, I think I'm now, you know, Two ears, one mouth, twice the time should be listening and as talking. Uh, I'm now a big proponent of that. And, uh, you know, active listening is one, one of my, I think it's become a strength of mine. So those are the things I, I've learned. 
I just thought of something. You know, if, if that's a good thing for you, uh, Angela, let's say if you need to vent about accounting, call Vent T. There you go. It's yeah. a little uh, a little I, catchphrase there. So. I had a sign on my door that said Vent to Venti. So <laughs> okay. I'm already there. Okay. Now, I said it's a two part question. We asked you what you've learned in your new position. What is something you learned in the business world in your past that you brought? to your new position something that you learned in the past and then you when you walk in you said i know what to do we'll start with you mark because you just you said what you know we'll start with you what is something you learned in your past life that you brought into now your your new life um well i would say uh two things there one is just the the functional expertise that i that i gained from from my, my stints in the corporate world um have have come in very handy in what I'm doing now, because it's not only just the the coaching and strategizing and 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 business therapy that I'm doing, but it's also, hey, I need help with this particular thing, operations, pricing, whatever it might be, and that's a strength. So it's not like you know I don't have to say, oh, well, I got to refer you out for that. I I can help with that. So it's like an ad bonus for for clients. So that's one of the things I I brought from my other uh my other world if you will um and the second thing is just um i would say again having to do with listening uh i am i am so interested i i was a mentor throughout my career in in the corporate world and that's one of the reasons i i started doing this because people would say wow yeah you gave me this great advice on building this team on achieving these stretch goals on you know getting a promotion you ought to do a second gig. And I said, ah, no, I got enough going on. I don't need a second gig. But now time came. Now this is my first and only gig. And so I brought that mentorship um, uh, capability and expertise to this area, which was a great help. Again, a lot of listening involved with that. How about you, Dan? Yeah, that's an easy one. Um, so again, coming from you know corporate supply chain and logistics, my last several positions were uh, on the analysis side. So I feel I have a very good grasp of the numbers. So I come in contact with, with many chefs who can, who can cook me under the table. I mean, they're really, really good, but they don't necessarily have a good personality and they certainly aren't good in the back end of the house. You know, you have to know your numbers and, and that's something that, you know, I, I, I costed things out, you know, like I did RFQs and, you know, big projects, you know, like chartering whole ships. I mean, imagine what that stuff costs and trying to put a charter for that. So that's helped me a lot, you know, with, with helping me with the numbers and having a grasp of, of the, uh, you know, the flow of money. So uh, that was the biggest thing I, I think I brought over that's helped me a lot. How about you, Angela? Because you went from banking to accounting, as you said. What what did you bring that has helped you and it actually makes you a better employee? Uh, all my relationships. I'm so proud of the connecting part. So it's it's funny listening to Mark talk. When I hear people talk, I hear opportunities for my um, my network. I say Rolodex, but that's dating. But so every time somebody says 
I need this, or I'm looking for that. I usually say I got a guy. So, um, and a lot of times my guy's a woman, but I just, I know someone who can help alleviate that. And to, to Mark's point, you can't be an expert in everything. So these other things, but how valuable of a resource are you, if you're able to make those connections and those referrals and it keeps you top of mind for other people. You know, if you're that person who's connecting all the dots and getting all the people, just like what you're doing right now with having these podcasts and getting people all in one spot and sharing the, their stories, that's a valuable resource. I, I When I was talking to you at Jersey Man and, and talking to Dan and meeting all these different people, they go into a different pocket so that when somebody says, I'm having an event, I'm struggling in my business, you know, I, I need more exposure. You would be the people who came to mind. And that's something I try to bring everywhere I go into every conversation. I belong to a million groups. And, and that's something where I sit there. I I believe the thing that I bring with me is my uh, my Rolodex. Everywhere I go, I'm walking in with hundreds of people behind me. And that, I think, is my secret power. Okay. We were going to talk about networking because, you know, as I said, Angela, I met you at a Jersey May event, but we were connected on LinkedIn. I met Dan at, a, at an event at PJ Wheelerheads. And you yes. bought me a beer and anyone who buys me a beer, I'll talk to because I'm, I'm a cheap ass. So, you know, I, I love it. I say if it's if it's free, it's for me. OK, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ever anyone listening. If you ever see me, and you want to buy me a beer, even if you don't want me, just come up and buy me a beer and I'll talk to you. I'm but, still waiting for you to buy me a beer. Uh, that's, never gonna, that's, that's never going to happen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you're on my show. That's enough. OK, anyway, what makes you a good networker? I think, you know, we all touch on it, but when you look inside, we can say listening, we can say stuff like that. But what when you break it down? Because we run into crappy networkers. There are some really bad networkers out there. I was at an event and people just pushing me their card, pushing me their card. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't care. I don't, you know, just, you don't just give me your card. Be nice. But well, Angela, we'll start with you because you have a big network and you, you want to help people. But what, when it, when push comes to shove, what do you say that makes you an excellent, what makes you an excellent networker? So I, I, when I first started um, it was a challenge. Uh, I figured if somebody somebody wanted to talk to me, they would. So I could go a whole night and not meet anyone because I figured no one wanted to meet. So that can make networking very difficult. So I was trying to find a way around it. And somebody was like, just stand near the bar. Well, you meet people who drink near the bar. So that's not always the great, you know, a couple hours in, that's not where you want to be necessarily. So I was like, that's the, somebody's like, carry a book under your arm and people will talk to you about the book. I'm not going to, I lie. I tried it. Um, and you carry a book a whole night and it's, that's not fun either. <laughs> so I, I had to find a way to um, overcome walking into a room with 300 people and not feeling like I'd rather be anywhere else in the world but doing that. So um, somebody walked up to me and they said something and I'm like, oh my God, I can help you with that. So I, I came home and I said to my kids right away, I found this person. I'm so excited. I could help them. And the next time I went out, I, I said, I'm going to walk in. I only need to find the one person I'm supposed to help. That's it. I might meet 20 people along the way. So I would meet people and I would meet and they would talk and then somebody would say something. And I'm like, oh my God, there you are. And I would make sure I did whatever it was that was going to help that person. And it became a game of who will it be that I, and sometimes I'd find them, I put my purse down and, and the turn around and there they were. Other times I'd get to all the way to the end of the night and I thought, wow, this is terrible. I, 
you know, I spent the whole night and didn't find him. And they're in front of me in the coat line and they turn around and they say something. And I'm like, there you are in the nick of time. And, and that became the way I played networking. And all I had to do, I might meet, like I said, 20 people, but I only needed the one that I was supposed to help and do something for. And that's how I became a great, and that's how I built my network. So what do people know about me is if you ask me something and you need someone, and I mean, from an ice cream truck to a Santa Claus, to a, a real estate attorney, it doesn't matter what you've come up with. I can ask my network. Somebody needed an interpreter, Chinese interpreter, lawyer, all in the same thing. And I put it out to my network and I got one five seconds later. And that's, I think, the best thing that you could ever hope for in a networking career. How about you, Dan? What makes you a good networker? Wow. Well, I was not a good networker. And I want to thank you. Um, you know, since we become friends, you know, we always talk about networking and uh, Joe Oweiler from TAB. And I remember we were having a, a discussion and in the beginning of my networking career, um, my goal was if there was 250 people in the room, was to get out 250 cards or it was a failure. If I didn't say hello to everybody and get a card, you know, it, it was, it was, the night was a wash. And then it evolved to like, you know, from talking to you, I know you're a real big networker and you have great philosophies that I've, that I've taken to heart, but I was out with Joe and uh, he said, your object should be that you're in that room, seek out like five or six people and have like really deep, meaningful connections with them and now that's what I do so like even last night at your event you know I spent a lot of time you know uh, uh, talking to Carrie Nelson she's a photographer and I know her from many other events but we were starting to talk about something like a like a business relationship that we could do and it turned out to be like a really you know great connection last night even though I knew her so things like that you know I just love like you know I'll go right to somebody in the room I don't know and I'll just go right over to him hey I'm Dan you know what do you do and you know a lot of times it's a great conversation oh yeah I do social uh, media marketing I'm like really <laughs> we got to talk because <laughs> I you know that's that's something that's near and dear to me and you know it's that's what I've evolved with now really picking you know good key discussions meeting good key people and and growing my network how about you, Mark? What makes you a good networker? Because I know you're out there. You know a lot of people. Um, I, I think it's a genuine curiosity to learn about others. Uh, and uh, I, I've had conversations at networking events where, uh, or on Zoom calls where it never gets around to me. <laughs> you never end up talking about me. And that's fine. I, I'm good with that. Uh, I ask a lot of questions. I, I, I'm just naturally, you know, uh, asking questions that, no one's ever asked these folks before, sort of like before we did the show here, that question I asked you. Um, and uh, and then it gets them thinking. And then the usual response back uh, is, wow, you know, you really got me thinking about my business like I've never thought about it before. Um, and sometimes I'll offer advice, but not as, as a prescription, prescriptive way of doing it, like you should do this, but have you considered this or that, you know, yes, no. Oh yeah. Hey, well, tell me more about it. how would I go about doing that? And that's how the conversation gets going. And, um, so that's, I think my, uh, what, what, what did you, you call it, Angela, your, your super strength, your secret strength is 
just the curiosity and uh, feeling good about after I'm done the conversation, I've, I've given somebody some, uh, usually a good idea about their business that can be implemented with very low cost, very low effort. And whether that results in anything is, you know, it doesn't matter because I feel good that, you know, uh, that I was able to help somebody. Okay. Here's the point of the show where, you know, I have to watch myself because I notice whenever I bring this up, my uh, Fitbit, I go to peak level of heart rate because it's something I, it's where I bitch about. And I love to bitch about LinkedIn. I always cut, there's always a segment I bitch about LinkedIn because certain things piss me off about LinkedIn. I can't handle it. And the latest one is not the overuse of hashtags because hashtags are great. I'll put marketing podcasts, but the bullshit hashtags, okay? When people say, and if you, any of you say this, I apologize, but it irritates me. When you hashtag, let's go. It's like, you know what? The kids are saying LFG, which you can say what they have is, they always put, let's go. I think it's the stupidest hashtag because it makes no sense. Or when they put blessed. Are you willing, do you have to put that in a hashtag or, you know, love my job? Of course you love your job because you're posting about it. There's so many bullshit hashtags and sayings on LinkedIn that I just, I go in and and you look at it and you go, this person, this person is full of shit. You know, you see it when people go, they're working for the like, we want the like. And as you all know, likes don't equal business. Okay. Likes that doesn't come out, you know, just cause you get a lot of likes on LinkedIn, it doesn't mean anything. So my thing that bothers me this week is hashtags crappy hashtags let's go that bothers me as much as the word john which isn't a word except now words are friends except john so this is where my heartbeat goes up my heart rate goes up because i vent and i go my wife says you shouldn't vent so much and i go well i'll go to vent tea and i won't vent but that's what pisses me off about uh linkedin what is what pisses you off about linkedin and don't hold back because people need to know because when you see it you go, oh, my God. We'll start with you, Dan, because I know we have talked about the likes, and you were like, oh, why I got the likes. I said, don't worry about the likes. It doesn't mean anything. People like you. But what pisses you off about LinkedIn? I just like I was just saying this to my daughter. The other day, these bots, I keep getting these friendships all the time. It's like Amy Chow from Shanghai wants to get like, did Amy Chow really look me up? Or like, what? where are these bots coming from? I hate it. It's mostly on LinkedIn out of out of the other uh, platforms I'm on. But every week, every other day, I get requests from these bots, and I can't stand it. I don't know how to get rid of it. How about you, Angela? I know you I love LinkedIn. I loved LinkedIn. I was like, oh, my God, where's he going with this? Because I love LinkedIn. But um, if I had one, I don't hashtag, so I am not in the hashtag pool. Um, when they were trying to explain it to me, I was like, listen, I just figured out how to get the at symbol and somebody's name on there. So I'm going to leave the hashtagging to the marketing department. We have tried everything to figure out what works and what doesn't work. And I have now figured out that I have no idea what works and what doesn't work um, because we post all these informational posts about taxes and we get two two views. We post a, a fight over jimmies and sprinkles and we have more viewer interaction. Are you team Jimmy or team sprinkles? We just did the coffees, Wawa, Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts the most viewed video of the year all of the stuff that we put out about employee retention credits all these different things that we think we got it this time cost segregation study that's going to bring it home nope 
it's who, what coffee did you vote for? So, and I wasn't there on Wawa one, and it was only because I wasn't there or Duncan would have been uh, in the, I run on Duncan, but it, that's what, so LinkedIn, it's a mystery to me, what will make people view things. Um, but it's the uh, people who connect with me and I take a chance and I look to see who they're connected to. Five seconds after I hit accept, they slam me with a, uh, let's set up a thing so I can sell you. And that is never how it's going to work for me. So now it, it get very much like Dan said, I connect with someone thinking that, you know, let me see what what the person's about and two seconds later in my inbox is I'd love to set up a, a a zoom call so I can tell you all about my nah I'm good so I unconnect five seconds later so it's a very quick way for me to decide whether you're staying in my network or not staying in my net but I do love LinkedIn is it Jimmy or sprinkles for you oh they're Jimmy's okay good all right good I want to make yeah. sure okay how about, how about you soda or pop I don't no, no, we're not yeah, even right. going into that discussion. Right. No, it's soda. Yeah, we're from the East Coast. Pop. And it's oh, and it's and it's Taylor pork roll. Okay. Mark, what what pisses you off about LinkedIn? Because I hopefully I'm just not the only curmungeon in the room here, okay? <laughs> That's what I feel like because no one else gets First of all, I want to know how you really feel about this because I don't think you're really, you know, <laughs> letting loose with what you how you really feel. Um well, I would say uh, no offense to your company, Angela, but like those kinds of posts, the Jimmy's versus, you know, and especially when it's repeated by the same person or the same company over and over and over again. I've got over 1500, uh, you know, contacts. I know all of them in LinkedIn. And yet, and I know more than just 20 are posting, but I only see 20, the same 20 all the time. I don't know what, what's going on with the algorithm. I'd love to see posts from other people, but you know, I'd only, I only see what they allow me to see. So I end up seeing the Jimmy's versus the sprinkles and, Oh, isn't this, this, you know, dog really cute, uh, cat video or, you know, um, so, you know, people doing selfies with people at networking events that, Okay, so what? Um, I, I don't know. Uh, th that's kind of like, I, I'm not, I like LinkedIn too, like you do, Angela. But if I'm forced to say what I don't like, it's that. I would probably also add the, the humble brags that go on and the fake virtue signaling about various things that go on. And, um, but, you know, I, I, I mean, some of that stuff's for Facebook, for Instagram. I mean, LinkedIn, I, I really hope, I just want to get, the, the important business, the business stuff. So we're going to keep on LinkedIn real quick. And this is something, and I always like to hear what people say about this and, and there's no right or wrong answer. I'm in my eyes, there is, but I'm not going to say that politics and religion. Mark, is there a place for politics and religion on LinkedIn? Mark, tell me, cause I don't think there is, but what do you think? Well, so let me, uh, the answer is no. However, uh, I do know someone who actually used that as a strategy to get business. Let me explain. Um, he, uh, this person is a very extreme, I won't say what direction, but very extreme. And he would post stuff like that all the time. And I would ask him, why are you doing this? Like you're pissing off at least half of the people on there. He says, yes, you're right, Mark, but the other half are really going to like me. And you know what? It's, you know, fishing the sea. I'm narrowing my market because these are the people that want to do business with me. I said, well, if you don't mind pissing a bunch of people off to get a lot of business, I can't, I can't, you know, that's, that's a strategy, right? 
How about you, Angela? What's your what's your take on religious and um, religion and politics on LinkedIn? Nope, never. Don't don't do it. I I, I mean, I get that somebody would want to uh, to fly that banner, I guess, but uh, I won't I won't do it in person. I won't do it uh, in conversation. I won't do it on social media. Um, I just don't think that that and and more than ever, um, the world is not. You can't post something and it, and it turn into a dialogue um, and a discussion. It is literally, um, you know, it's just an attack. There's no more listening anymore that I have seen. Even in person, I'm very careful uh, because it, the dis discussions that used to happen, I, I don't see anymore. You can just alienate someone immediately by having uh an opinion and sharing it. So in the right company, I would say, but never on a social media platform. How about you, Dan? Yeah, two subjects I will not discuss, religion and politics. So years ago, I was on social media and then I swore it off for about five, six years until I started my business and had to get on there again. And I get sucked into that rabbit hole. But now I'll be on there and I'll see something and it's like... No, I'm not going to comment on that, you know, because I don't care if you're a left-wing extremist or a right-wing extremist. I want to feed you. So have your opinion. Fine. We'll do business together. I'll move on. I don't need to discuss that because you're not going to change anybody's opinion by posting, you know, your view, you know, who to vote for. It doesn't work that way. I'm the same way. I, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I don't care if you're what religion you are, what, you know, all your political viewers, but if if you don't like goldfish crackers, I don't I don't trust you. So I think if anyone if you meet someone who doesn't like goldfish crackers, there's something wrong with them. Uh, here's a question that I started a few weeks ago, and I, I've really gotten a lot out of it because I don't read business books. I don't. I read different kinds of entertainment books. I just I don't care about business books. But I found a lot of insight that people have given. You know, said very good books they've read that helped them, like The Go Giver and stuff like that. What's a book that you've either read recently or in the past? that you really gained, you gained something from that, a business book. You know, like I read, you know, on the road, Jack Kerouac, and it was very overrated, but everyone raved about it. But uh, what's a book that you read in or have or are reading that has helped you in business? We'll start with you, Angela. Oh, don't start with me. I, I have so many that I just, I'll need a second. So you go to somebody else and I'll try to pick the one that made the most to me. Cause I have read, I have, I'm sitting next to a bookshelf of all those books that you don't read. If you ever want to borrow one, okay. let me know. Cause I literally <laughs> have a cabinet full of them. So I just have to think okay. of which one it means the most. We'll come back. And and you yeah. Go over and look at your book. You know, you should yeah, take a break with your books. And then... Mark, what's, what's a book? What's, what's one. So, um, I, uh, two books, uh, one I'm in the middle of, one I just finished, uh, the last two I read, and, and these are not recent books necessarily, I don't go with the, the, the trendy, it has to be the most recent, but they're classics in my view. Um, the first one I read was called Never Split the Difference. It's a negotiating book uh, by a guy named Chris Voss. He is, uh, used to be a hostage negotiator. Um, this is like for advanced negotiations. Like this isn't your, your beginner stuff. And uh, for those of us that, you know, are good at this, that like doing this, that like learning more about it and constantly learning, you know, I, I would highly recommend this book. Um, <laughs> all, all sorts of different techniques that 
you know, you don't even think about that are some some kind of subliminal. Um, very good book, Tour de Force about negotiations. Um, the second one that I'm still I'm reading now, and I by the way, I have a hack for reading the books. It doesn't waste my time. I, I usually listen to them like when I'm driving or waiting in the doctor's office or the, for my car to get repaired. So that's my hack. So I'm not like, you know, I'm, I'm just accomplishing something when I'm a captive audience and getting these books, um, you know, absorbed into my brain. Uh, the second one is Thinking Fast and Slow uh, by a Nobel Prize winning psychologist named Daniel Kahneman about how we make decisions and how uh, he kind of flips on its head the, the decision-making theories that had been in place up until recently and why we make very irrational decisions um, frequently and the whole reasoning behind that. Fascinating book. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I recommend that one too. How about you, Dan? Wow, I just brought two books with me on my trip to read on the airplane and in the room. So one of them was Mastering the Rockefeller Habits, which uh, I thought was a real good one. So it talked about how to structure your business like Rockefeller did, you know, now I'm like, you know, a drop of water in a ocean, you know, and he was who he was, but I think and dream big, you know, and I aspire. So there's, there's things I can learn there, lessons and, you know, how to scale my business. And then I get like, I'm all about like finance books. Like I'm always like ways to make money. And I got this book on uh, universal index life funds. Okay. Don't, don't judge, you know, boring, but Joe Gangemi, you know, he was at the network event and, um, we had Natalie from New York Life and we were talking about life insurance. And I'm like, that's one of the pillars of your financial stability. You have to have life insurance. And I'm like, all right, I want to open up this, you know, UIL it's called. And that's an investment vehicle that, you know, in 10 years time, I could take loans out of that interest free to, you know, to put into my business. And I mean, that's the way I think, you know, so uh, that's the kind of stuff I like to read. Angela, we're back. Okay, I'm back. I did. So um, I'm going to go with author because every single book he's ever written is amazing, in my opinion. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell. And that if I had to pick The Turning Point, uh, Outliers, uh, Blink, no matter. So it, uh, and I think even if you're not a business book or you don't like that kind of book, um, you would love these are so interesting and they're so uh, makes you look at things differently and and explains things in a way that you start to look at, you know, especially tipping point, you know, how a city can change all those things. But every book he's ever written to me, um, I, I think I probably recommended and given away uh, because I thought they were just super impactful for not only business, but but life. I did read the tipping point. That's one I actually did okay. read. And I See, love the story about the, book, right? the hush puppies in, in Baltimore. It was very, uh, the shoes it was very interesting. Okay. I always end the show with this. Um, it's final question. You meet someone who's just getting out in the business world. Okay. Someone young, they could be getting out of trade school. They could be getting out of, you know, college. They can get out of high school and they want to, you know, they want to, they're from high school. They're going on a path. What's some advice. And I always say, cause my mom said this, do you tell someone who is bright eyed and bushy tailed? What is someone comes up to you and says, what do I do? What, where should I go? What, what, what advice you give me to be successful? You know, what is some advice 
and we'll start with you, Mark. What is an advice that you'd give to someone? And I, I know you have kids, so maybe your kids ask you the same thing. But what is advice you would give to someone who's new, who's starting into this wonderful, wonderful, crazy venture we do called business? Uh, don't get into business. <laughs> <laughs> no, just um, it, it, it would highly depend on what they're doing. You know, are they doing them something for themselves in the corporate world or not? But just to generalize, I would say, first of all, don't take yourself tell yourself too seriously. Um, I remember when I was uh, getting in the business, I took myself so seriously. I thought I knew everything. And in the retrospect, I knew nothing. And it was, you know, I could see how people were probably laughing at me behind my back because I thought I was so smart and and it was very earnest about everything. So don't take yourself too seriously. Realize that you don't have all the answers, that people with more experience know a lot more than you and understand that. Along those lines, seek out mentorship if possible in your organization, or even if you're running your own company. Uh, very important people that have been there, done that, know the, you know, can see your blind spots, can help you avoid um, issues that they may have experienced um, through their advice. Um, so I'd say uh, mentorship. I also say seek out responsibility if you're in, a, especially in a corporate environment. Uh, environment. Um, volunteering for projects uh, that you don't need to do, but that. You know, it, it, it raises your profile. Um, you, you know, if you want to get promoted, if that's your goal to get promoted and keep going up the ladder, do things beyond what your job uh, job description is. That's the way you get noticed and promoted and, and, and you get a reputation of, hey, you need something done, give it to this person. That's okay. what I would say. Okay, how about you, Angela? So I, there's a few things probably, but I think uh, speaking it is probably one of the biggest ways. So I always say if we're looking for a, a client, a yellow car, I call it a yellow car. So because, you know, every nurse, you're going to buy a car and uh, you never saw the car before. And now all of a sudden you look around and all of a sudden that car is everywhere. And, and I think you speak things into existence. So I think telling your network and telling everyone you're around what you're after will help get you there, the, the mentorship, the surrounding yourself with the five people who are going to get you there. I think that is a huge part of, you know, all of a sudden these people have such a passion. And the last thing I would want to do is not, you know, if you have that, it, my hat's off to anyone who owns a business, because if it was easy, everyone would do it. It's not easy. It's very hard. And there's a very big difference between those people and the people who just go to work and know a paycheck is coming every Friday and your benefits are covered versus the guy who gets up and he's got to kill and hunt his own every single day. That's a different mentality. So I think a lot of love and passion has to be there for that. And, and then exactly what Mark is saying, find that person that's 10 years ahead of you and, and follow them, get, you know, say, I'm, I would love you to mentor, mentor me. You know, that person, I promise you will want to save you the headaches and the the downfalls they've already been through. Um, but I, I think it's amazing when a young person, I, and I wish I keep saying we, we need to have a, an entrepreneur think tank to keep those dreams alive and not, not get sucked up into the, no, you can't. And are you crazy? Just get a job and, and be like everybody else. I, th I think what I would say is, is to think it into say it into existence because somewhere in your network, 
you're going to find that person and you're going to find the yellow car and you got to keep chasing it. Okay. How about you, Dan? Wow. I'm, I'm glad I got to follow Angela because I just totally one, like you nailed it, Angela beautifully said. So I'm fortunate to be in that position right now. Like I said, I just took this uh, teaching job at Camden County college and these students I'm teaching, they're like 18 years old. They're right out of school. Right. And my thing is to teach them like be entrepreneurial, right? Like you don't have to go into a restaurant and, and slave. Like everybody watches those cooking shows and I mean, it's TV, but a lot of it's true. Like these, these guys think you have to work like every holiday and weekend and overtime and have no life to pay your dues. Why do you have to be that way? Like, look, I don't own a restaurant, you know, I don't own a food truck. I'm a personal chef. This is another avenue you can take, but you know, you're a business owner. So I would look through these kids through the prism of my life and say, you know what, you're 18, you, or you're out of college, you're, you're 22, 23 years old. You have your whole life ahead of you. Why not stick out your shingle? You know, why not find passion in something you can do? Look at me, I did it so much later in life. If you did it now, you know, you would be a multi-gazillionaire by the time you're my, my age. So to Angela's point, there is no security in that pet paycheck, you know, every other week that you get, you know, I, I was laid off five times in my professional career, you know, that wasn't safe. So, you know, follow your passion, like, every, like all the panelists said, get a mentor, you know, and anybody that ever came to me from help, I would, I would help anybody gladly just to like, these are the mistakes I made, don't make these, you know, that's, that's, that's what it's about helping other people. So well, that was great. You guys were great today. Uh, um, thanks for coming on the show. Tell people how they can get in touch with you, you know, and, and you know, we'll have bots go to uh, Dan's uh, LinkedIn and we'll have people put puppies and kittens on Mark's wall on LinkedIn. But how can people get in touch with you, Mark? Uh, website is on the mark uh, advisors with an O. Uh, and my email is M as in Mark style S T Y L E at onthemarkadvisors.com. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn. Um, as long as you're not, you know, someone from a foreign country that is, you know, has no uh, connections, I'm your first one. Um, that's cool too. How about you, Angela? Uh, LinkedIn, I was going to make the joke right away, but you took it away from me. I was going to say, well, you could just go to LinkedIn and find me. Um, and it, I have my name right up on the screen there. So allysilverstein.com is our website. Uh, we're all on there and we we have all of our uh, specialties and things that we are uh, experts in on our website. So it's a great place to check us out. And you, Dan. Right. You can find us on the web at modernclassicalchefs.com by email at dan at modernclassicalchefs.com by phone 856-332-5769. We're on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. So very easy to get hold of us. And people, uh, you can email me, thecooptank at yahoo.com. You might want to advertise on the show. As you see, I get some uh, pretty heavy-hitting business people. And the people who watch this show and listen to the show are business people. So what a better way to get your brand out there than getting out to the people that can sit there, like Angela said, can be your people. 
Perfect, perfect. So hit me up at the coop tank at yahoo.com. Go check out past episodes, uh, the, the coop tank on YouTube. Like it, subscribe. And don't forget, I want to thank Joe Ganjemi, the best producer in town. The reason I come here is because he does a great job. Reach out to him at uh, hello at sweet recording, S U I T E recording.com. Okay, people, go Eagles. Have a great weekend. I'm Steve Cooper, and I'll talk to you next week.